welcome to another episode of our SaaS Stories podcast. I am your host Ash and this is a show where I interview proven founders and industry experts who share their stories, strategies and insights to help you build, launch and grow your SaaS business. In this episode, I talked to Abbas and Leo, the founder and CEO of the Playbook Agency. Abbas and CEO both former heads of sales in the SaaS industry crossed path through a London-based tech sales WhatsApp chat. Together, they have accumulated an impressive track record of generating over $5 million in annual recurring revenue for a diverse range of startups and scale-ups. They have successfully guided these startups from their early stages, identifying ideal customer profiles, testing and achieving product market fit, and scaling revenue teams. Through their extensive experience, Abbas and Leo organized the critical mistakes that early startups often make when hiring their first sales leader and embarking on their go-to-market journey. They understood how these mistakes can either accelerate growth or lead to unnecessary challenges and setbacks. To address these issues, they founded the Playbook Agency. At the Playbook Agency, Abbas and Leo are on a mission to help founders get their go-to-market strategy right the first time. They understand that building a solid revenue engine requires laying strong foundations. With their expertise, they help startups develop their first playbook without the need of expensive sales leadership. By providing comprehensive guidance and strategies, they empower founders to optimize their sales approach and achieve success. I hope you enjoy it. Okay, Abbas and Leo, welcome to the show. Thanks for having us. Thank you for having us. Great. So do you have a favorite quote, something that inspires and motivates you that you can share? Uh, me, I go with the quote, in patient with your actions, patience with the results. Nice, nice. I think I was debating this for a long time. Like I was, I was thinking of ways, um, but I think for me, it's a, like this too shall pass. So I've, I've lived by that for quite, quite a few years now, and I think um, that's one that sticks by me. Perfect, perfect. So tell us about the Playbook Agency. Then, what does the agency do? Who is it for? And what's the main problem you're helping to solve? Yeah, I think um, so. I think me, me and uh, me and you asked me and Leo met through a group chat as well, sales professionals within London, um, and kind of as young heads of sales, we started noticing some uh, mistakes that were happening in you know either startups that we worked in or other startups that our colleagues kind of worked in, um, and a lot of that came down to you know the boom economy. Everyone took on a lot of VC funding and overspent on teams, and those teams grew really inefficiently. Um, so it's a story we're hearing kind of time and time again at the moment where layoffs are happening, people are trying to reduce spend, increase efficiency, and they don't really have the expertise to do either. Um, and so what's happening is uh, me, me and Leo noticed this problem kind of um, start of the year, and we, we've been chatting about it. And we decided to form this agency based off some of the like internal referrals we had in the industry. So people coming to us and asking us for help, and we we're like, you know, we could turn this into something. Um, so I think it's the idea around it and what we want to do is offer fractional assistance for when people need it and become that plug-in and play agency for when you need, for example, you know, when, when you're testing 
uh, message market fit and your testing ideas, you can come to us. We can get you that uh, access to those types of customers. And then again, when you when you're post launch and you want to start, you know, you started generating revenue, but you want to generate that revenue more efficiently, we can kind of layer on um, alongside kind of some of our uh, team members um, to kind of help you drive that revenue as well. Okay, sounds good. Um, so as you know, that most of our listeners are people who are founders or co-founders or they're, uh, you know, having an idea and like start something of their own. So would you be able to give me an idea about, your, you know, ICP and, and how you actually um, train them or motivate them or help them out uh, from scratch to get to the place where they want to be? Yeah. So I think with, with, with founders, right, it's number one, it's like completely detaching yourself from the, with the emotions of having your startup and be really, really like blunt and honest with yourself and be like, what, what does my prospect genuinely care about? So in ourselves, how we found ICP is we found founder-led sales and then, but then founder-led management. So it's a founder managing the sales team. We know the pain point is that they can't manage the team effectively because they have a million other things to do. They can't provide the coaching that the team needs because they haven't got the time to do so. Even sometimes they haven't got the skill sets to do so. And so what, what we found is a real gap in the founder-led uh, management approach. And with with founders right now that are, you know, testing and trying to trying to find that, you know, messages about who who has this been built for and what is that person's biggest problem? And does my message and my solution resonate with that big with that problem? And if it's not that person's biggest problem, is there someone else in the org that has that problem? Or do I need to go down a layer? Mm. Um so it's about it's a listing down the problems of this of this persona by speaking with them and finding out which was the biggest and does my solution fit that problem right got it got it so basically fundamentally you guys uh, help them out to understand even their own icps in order to figure out their uh, product market fit o on top of that you also help them out once they uh, figure out their product market fit okay which segment first targets so that they can have early, you know, earnings traction or et cetera, whatever metrics they want to go after, right? Yeah, correct. And more so, more so, we actually break it down into two further layers. We break it down to problem market fit. So do does our solution fit the problem? And then we break it down to message market. Does our outreach, outreach messages resonate with that person? And then product market fit is when you're selling and then that, the person that you're selling to is gravitating towards the product rather than you having to push the product, right? So we break it down into three layers. Perfect. Awesome. Okay. Um, I really like to pick on um, to the product market and problem uh, market fit bit, which you guys have mentioned. But before that, I would like to know uh, personally more about you guys. What have been your background? What have been your uh, biggest achievements so that our listeners can you know, get to know more? And then potentially after that, we will uh, go towards that uh, drug market fit and a problem market fit thing. So would you like to go first, Abbas? Yeah, sure. Um, I think for, for me, um, I'm sure for, for many other people, I um, didn't really know tech, SaaS was even a thing as I was growing up. Um, so I come from a city called Milton Keynes. Um, you know, growing up there, standard kind of, you know, being an accountant, being a doctor, uh, you know, Asian parents, that's, that's the two things they want, maybe lawyer, engineer, those kind of things. 
Um, so I ended up going to uni, uh, did a bit of engineering, always had that kind of sales uh, spirit in me. So, you know, selling sweets at school, uh, starting loads of side businesses, things like that. Um, when I went to university, I studied chemical engineering, um, decided that, you know, because I thought it would open me to other, other avenues. And then when I came out of uni, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do, but I knew I wanted to do something sales-wise. Um, I had seen kind of my dad go through a similar thing. Uh, so being kind of like a first-generation immigrant, um, him doing a sales job, kind of, I, I, I saw things around us change as he was more and more successful. So I thought, okay, amazing. This is a career where you can really make your own luck um, and, you know, mm-hmm. commission, those types of things. So ended up uh, applying for loads of like, sales jobs but wasn't uh, you know wasn't really sure where to go and ended up in a uh, in a company which was already a unicorn at the time at global data um from there kind of went from startup to startup uh, over the past kind of three or four years um and you know uh, we decided recently to kind of go full-time on the agency uh, because we we saw what's going on in the market and we thought now's the right time perfect Sounds good. I like the part where you mentioned that you started selling sweets in the school. That triggers me. <laughs> go ahead. Leo, do you want to go next? So, yeah, I guess similar to Basta, I did like, like, so originally my parents are from Albania. Uh, so I was born in the UK, but raised in an Albanian family. Um, similar, like, I wasn't so much like they wanted me to be doctor or anything like that because no one in our family is a doctor or anything like that. So, it's just about, you know, try and start your own business or try and do something for yourself. Mm-hmm. I graduated uni pretty clueless, just like everyone does. Um, but it's funny because even during university, like, they'd be like, oh, Leo, you'll be a great car salesman. You'll be this, you'll be that. At the time, I actually took offense to it. I was like, what do you mean? Like, what? Because I talk loads. <laughs> and, but then, but then, but then, obviously, by luck, like, my first role was by luck. It's like I had uh, a friend's older brother who was starting a company and I joined that company. Funny enough, I joined for like a thousand pound a month, almost like an internship. Mm-hmm. And then help. I was at that company for four years. And we grew from zero to to multi to a million pound, over a million pound revenue. Um, and grew the company from zero to to thirty people. Um, and luckily within that within that role, like I grew the sales team from zero to eight. I helped find product market fit. And then also one of the things I've realized and what I really love about like SaaS sales as well as the coaching element. I enjoyed developing, coaching people, bringing bringing people in that similar to myself, right? They didn't have they're, just, they're smart, but just don't really know what they're going to do. And I and I always say to my uh, my younger relatives, I'm like, they they're graduating uni. What, what are you going to do? Is like, I don't really know. It's like get into sales. You'll fit you'll you'll figure something out, right? Yeah. Um, and so yeah, so that's just my background. And uh, it's similar to Bass, you know, which, like we spoke. It was like, okay, what what can we do? And I actually went through the Antler program as well realized that oh my god there's a lot of founders out there that don't fully don't fully understand it and i found myself like people gravitating towards me asking me a couple of questions on how to do this 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 mm-hmm. and so that gave me confirmation of what was going on and then me and abbas were speaking constantly we, we figured out okay, we have to do this mm-hmm. uh, full time perfect perfect which cohort you are in antler uh cohort eight cohort eight. Oh, okay surprise we haven't met there i you know what i was asking abbas like, i i recognize that i just don't know where i think it might be from that because we had, we had loads of mutual connections. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, the small world, right? <laughs> the tech world's small. Great stuff, great stuff. Well, you know what? You both have perfect profile to become a really successful entrepreneur because you both come from that, you know, 
immigrant background, you have that, you know, um, you know, uh, be, being craving for the growth kind of, you know, motivation from the family side. And, 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 and then to be honest, getting into the sales role as early as you guys have done is really good because ultimately no matter what people say that it's not a skill, it is the best skill for any business. Trust me, you know, no matter what product, no matter what services you're doing, you will need superpowers like yourself to boost the sales to get a business inside. So yeah, hats off to you. You guys started into sales for so early because it, it takes courage to get into this field. Great. So now let's move on to the problem uh, statement thing because I'm, I'm more interested in it because I have spoken with a lot of um, founders. They always talk about product market fit. And I've never heard anybody talking about problem market fit. And I'm very interested in knowing about how you guys actually structure that around the around the business. It's it, yeah, it's a, it's an interesting one. I think I think going going back to you know what 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 Leah's mentioned as well, him him going into Amber. I know it's also like when we were at the YC Group events, a lot of a lot of technical founders didn't know how to get their product into the right people's hands. And I think the startup graveyard is just full of great ideas, you know, fantastic UX, everything, all the bells and whistles you can think of that just didn't have a good go-to-market and they ran out of time. Um, and so with, with problem market fit, it's it's really understanding how how is your target market and how are your prospects verbalizing the issue that they have and what language are they speaking in when they talk about this issue? Um, and how can you make sure that we resonate with them and we can catch them on a hook to have a further conversation with them? And so that's that's really what what it boils down to. And I think what I noticed, um, especially you know, speaking to multiple multiple founders, um, and also working in some of the startups, is there is a bit of reluctance to spend more time refining your product than speaking to the people who would eventually want to use it. And there tends to be a huge disconnect sometimes, you know, where I think product and sales need to work um, even more closely um, nowadays to to ensure that we're speaking the same language and, and we're, you know, we're involving our customers as we're building the product. Um, so, yeah, I don't know, would you add anything to that? I would say also on the problem market fit is like, what is a nice to have problem and what is a big enough problem? And the best way that I can, I can deem it is like, can you go to, can you go to the CEO and be like, I've got a solution to this problem. And the CEO is like, yes, let's look into it. Not say let's buy it. Let's not, let's explore it. Um, because, and this is in the startup, right? This is, and I look at it myself, like even every time someone sold to me, I, I would know straight away, you know what? This is a big enough problem for me to buy. This is not a big enough problem for me to buy it. Can I take this to the CEO? Can I not take this to the CEO? And that's really like where you want to you want to like understand is the person I'm speaking with are they happy to take this solution of the problem internally? So just understand how big is the problem? Like will they take it internally? And you know what kind of business outcomes does it drive? Oh, you've got a Ash. Uh, um, Ash, you're on mute. Sorry, my mistake. So let let me reiterate it then. Um, so basically, you uncouple the problem statement to that level, to micro uh, atomic level that you need to understand the girth of it 
And then you want to make sure that if the founder or the or the person who actually makes the decision understand and are, is willing to take it to at at a level where it could be solved. Is that correct? Correct. Yes. So give give you an example uh, of like when when I was at my company sales floor, right? It was a it was a LinkedIn automation tool. The automation was beneficial for the sales rep. The outcome was beneficial for the sales leader. So the automation would automate tasks, but the outcome would book more sales meetings. Mm. So that's that's the difference when we find the problem. It's like, okay, I'm not going to go to a, a sales manager and tell them, hey, this this system automates tasks. They're going to be like, no, that's their job. This system helps them book more meetings. This helps you solve that pipeline problem that you have. Right, right. So, so basically, what is the end impact and benefit it's actually bringing you back? Interesting, interesting. Okay, so... So now I understood how you tackled with the problem uh, statement bit. Can you uncouple more about how, let's say, uh, let's take in a hypothetical situation where a founder comes to you, right? He or she is looking for some help and say, Abbas, Leo, we have a um, SaaS product. Let's say an HR uh, online system where, you know, you, you, you help big companies to, to recruit people. Now, First step is you sit down with them, analyze their business model, what kind of customers they're after. What are dif- what different strategies you would put together in order to get more business brought into their doors um, after you did your first analysis? And I think is uh, yeah. So I think obviously the the first analysis is is really important. So we'll take one or two weeks to really understand what what is going on in the business today, and. You know, if they don't have data surrounding this, and I, I find it funny sometimes because you're working with like product teams who are obsessed with data for their internal tool, mm. but their sales data is just, you know, Excel sheet or it's, you know, scattered in HubSpot, things like that. So we, we want to get to the source of the truth in terms of what's actually um, happening in terms of inputs and outputs, right? So how many, how many calls are your sales team making, emails are going out, who are they going out to, how are you getting their info? and understanding those conversions. And if they're not there, setting that up. So that's the backbone of, of, of your uh, understanding how your revenue is coming in, right? Your, but understanding completely what your funnel, then, then it's really, you know, one of the things that we like to do is ultimately understand who have been the early adopters of this product um, and how can we leverage those referrals case studies to bring about more business and double down on a segment. So we mm. we would prefer going segment to segment route. Um, so I'll give you um, if I use my past company score as an example, I might I might decide to target SEO agencies um, for you know two months or one month or something like that, and ensure that in SEO agencies I know how they're d- describing their problems when it comes to their workflows, what's happening, and what are the layers of management that I need to speak with to make sure that this converts into a deal. So. Typically, me and Leo will understand. We have a really simple methodology, and you know, maybe this is revealing a bit of the game. Um, but we we have, you know, we split our um, we split our prospects into three to simplify it. So, observer, a manager, and an executor, right? And those executors, you know, for say say for a sales team, for example, an executor. If we're buying a sales platform, executor might be someone who's using this 
you know, lead sourcing tool like Zoom Info and is getting the data and making the calls. Manager might be your head of sales, right? So maybe someone like me and Leo who are managing the team, making sure that they're doing the outputs. And the observer is the CEO who at the end of the day, at the end of the month, that manager is servicing a number to to that person of interest. Now, all throughout the funnel, when we target those people, like Leo said earlier, we're saying different things to each person, right? CEO cares about the number, manager cares about attainment and his commission both ways, and the doer mm. cares about being a top performer. So how can we leverage those mm. conversations to delve into a business case that makes sense? Um, so that's where we'll start, and then we'll start fixing channels. So for example, you know, do you want to go, where are our prospects active? You know, give you an example. Um, if we were targeting tech companies, your your prospects are so acting on LinkedIn. Whereas if you're talk, uh, if you're targeting uh, construction companies, you guys are not on LinkedIn at all. So you may as well, you know, not double down on that. It might be more telephone, more email, those types of things. So understanding where your prospects are and building a cadence around that as well. Perfect. Sounds sounds good. And I couldn't agree more on this one that without analysis and understanding where your prospects are hanging out, there's no point of targeting them, you know, here, there, and everywhere because that's just going to waste your money. I don't know. Sorry, go on, Liam. On the, on the point where you talk about where they hang out, right, at, at my company, the first company was at, our first customers, they came from Facebook marketing groups. Mm. They didn't come from email. They didn't come from LinkedIn. They didn't come from the phone. They came from community. It was a community-led approach. Yeah, and so those are the things that you should leverage into as much as possible, um, and to find out where they live. Like our our thing was growth marketeers. We wanted growth marketeers, and they were in Facebook groups. Mm-hmm. Indeed, indeed. Have you uh, have you guys ever heard about uh, Dan Martel from from States? He's one of the growth hackers, very well known in States, and uh, he runs this startup. Um, classes I've, I've done his uh, 16 weeks classes that's why I, I I'm mentioning his name um, because he's doing something similar like what you guys are doing but he's at a next level I guess you will be there in a couple of years um, and that's uh, that's pretty good because we need people like you right now you know in this in this um, uh, space great stuff so let's if let's 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 move forward um, so have you guys started this by yourself? Is the whole business bootstrap? Have you raised any funding for it? Or how, how does it, is it working right now? Bootstrap, old school bootstrap. <laughs> old school, old school. Old school. Cashing out. <laughs> yeah. Yes, oh, guys. <laughs> right. Um, so... But when you had this epiphany, when you got connected with each other, did you look into the market where there are other product or services? What was going on at that time? And what what did you see from your research that encouraged you to move ahead with this idea? I think it was funny. I think me and Leo, me and Leo saw so much bad advice on LinkedIn. Like, just so much bad advice. And I think when you don't understand like commercial strategy, acquiring revenue, users, those types of things, everything looks so attractive to a founder, right? You'll be like, okay, let's try that. Oh, this this guy from this company that's super successful is doing this, right? And it's all at the end of the day to sell a course at the end of it, right? But like, yeah, 
the 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 issue really is is that you've got these you, you you've got people who either haven't really closed that revenue or are or are giving are giving advice based on their own context and not usually the context is fantastic product market fit so you will see current you will see for example you know um and this is not to like call anyone out um or or anything like that right but you will see people from companies that have fantastic product market fit like um cognizant zoom info gong you know these are like almost necessities within their teams to buy like clavio is marketing or you know mailchimp is for this thing or whatever and that that's not applicable advice for a starting founder you know that their their name is not there um in that same same realm in the conversation when it comes to those tools and so we realized like there's no context for a founder starting from zero to one on how to adapt their team and often the advice is coming from people who are in already you know unicorn saying how great their sales strategy is but that they're almost you know order taking um so some sellers are you know order taking and like they're getting stuff in and it's not to discredit either but like it's just we've got awesome product market fit and founders don't have that and so me and they were like right we need to do something that contextualizes that advice for okay but here's how you do that same thing now, this is really great advice if you have a billion pound startup but here's how you do it if you have 100k in your bank you know if you don't have the time to you know you don't have a 20-man sales team to personalize every message to every cto in this in a 55 of 100 uh, 500 company or whatever you know and so that's that's kind of where we we came about it yeah and from my experience i've worked with a few agencies in my time at, at salesforce and um and i realized and actually it took me a while to realize this but when you're solving the problem and you're providing a solution and they don't have to do any work, uh, a service-based business is obviously an easier sell as well. So there's always going to be demand for our service. And it's just about whether we're better than other people or whether we can get in front of people before competitors do. Um, so that's that's kind of how I've come to the conclusion. Right. Okay. Got it. Um, okay. Now... I got more interested in 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 the services you guys are provide, but I want to uh, uncover a couple of more uh, things from uh, from the organizational perspective. Uh, tell me more about how big is your team, uh, whereabout you are located in terms of uh, offices, etc. And then after that, we will jump onto uh, a, a sort of like a use case which we or listeners would like to you know uh, hear from you guys, which you took from either scratch or zero to a potential level, which you guys are most proud of. Let's start with the team and, and the revenue. Yeah. Um, so we, we started about, what was it? Three, three, four months ago now. Um, so we, we've worked our way to, you know, 10 K MRR now. It's just me and Leo and we're using outsourced, um, outsourced help for like, such as VAs and things like that to, again, you know, we drink our own Kool-Aid. So. We will be, you know, operating as leanly as possible. Um, we'll be making sure that, you know, so that the reason we we exist is because we believe that startups should operate more efficiently. And so we've been doing the same, right? So there's no, there's no big office yet. 
Um, there's nothing like that. And we should be taking on someone um, in the sales capacity anytime, you know, kind of this or next week, uh, which we're really excited for. Um, and we feel like we've now got our range of services, like our product market fit with our services now, that we can now kind of expand with more customers. Right. Okay. Okay. Good stuff. Um, so should we, should we move to the next part where I would like to know more from a founder's perspective, uh, any use cases which you have recently dealt with, which you have taken from either zero or from start to the level which you are very proud of? Proud of. You elaborate what you mean by use cases, as in use cases uh, for us? Case study. From life study. You don't have, you know, just the name, correct, et cetera. You just want to know the journey if you, if you don't want. Where do we start, OS? So we have, <laughs> we have one so many I'm thinking of now. Yeah. Okay. Which one is the most proudest one for you, for you in the last three months? We've worked with one client um, where we've helped. So they brought us in to, to coach their sales rep. And we'll, when they brought us in and to now, we've helped them double, double his revenue impact and just taking him back to the sales sales basics is what's really, really helped. Will um, you be able to share the numbers? So he was, uh, I think, he was doing about three three hundred, no, it's three three thousand dollars in MRR, mm -hmm. and for the quarter, and then we got them to just over six thousand um, MRR the next quarter. And mm -hmm. what we did was we st and we stripped it back from basics. We said, let's look at the calendar. How many meetings do we have in? And he's like, okay, we don't have enough meetings. So that was the first task that we did, and then we was like, okay, let's double. Let's try and double the amount of meetings that we have. Mm -hmm. Secondly, is let's listen to the call recordings. Are we, how big is their pain and are we solving their pain? And then are we, do we have agreement that the the CEO cares about this problem? Mm -hmm. Yes. Let's set up a second call with the CEO, get them to sign off, and then get the deal moving forward. So we just created a system which would just help this person double their revenue impact. Within three months. So yeah, within three months. So since we came in, to so we came in the beginning of quarter, and now it's the, and it just gone past the end of quarter. Perfect. That's yeah. that's amazing. And um, so on the, let's. Oh, sorry, I was. Yeah, go on. I was just going to say, yeah. What one that sticks out for me is also we're working with like a IT hardware company, and again, you know, we found that their prospects lie in LinkedIn, right? And um, so what we started doing was started developing messaging around that, and we. So far, it's been one month and we've, we've managed it. And I don't think this will happen for, I don't think this will happen, by the way, for every single company we work with, right? I think, you know, the, the messaging was on point. The service uh, was required within that industry. Um, and we managed to get them to, I think it's, as of now, 499 replies. And about, um, of that, about 60 positive responses in terms of like meetings booked. And that's from a company that had no outbound previously. Um, so we've been leveraging LinkedIn to kind of get them, get them to that point. And, you know, it looks like the revenue should be dropping quite soon uh, as, as their enterprise. Nice. Okay. And, and, and both, uh, all the businesses you work with currently, are they into SaaS or tech space? Are you also targeting other businesses or are you, you're welcoming other businesses to 
uh, connect with you? We love SaaS, right? Everyone loves SaaS. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but we also we also realize there is there is other markets that need this. Yeah, and yeah. so we can go B two B, obviously, of course. But we want we want ideally SaaS, but then we want other B two B spaces that want to digitalize a bit more and and make this less less let's say art and more science. Um, and that's what that's what we want to focus on. Okay, so other than okay, I, I understand that you guys have very analytical, um, you know, um, skill set. Uh, but how do you manage this workload? I'm guessing that uh, do do you guys prefer to work with one customer at a time, or if you're working with multiple customers, how do you guys manage it? I've, I think for us, uh, so the one thing is notion. Notion is king for us. Um, so we spend time refining, you know, workflow and kind of, again, you know, when Leah talks art and science, right? Like literally when we put in company tasks or, you know, for these other companies as well, it will literally prioritize for us. And also this is a P1 doing now. Um, so prioritization is really key for us in keeping an official workload. And then also knowing what you can, I think, I think with with ourselves, the go to market advisory side of the business um, will progressively move more and more up market because the the scalable part of our business is really lead generation and cold outbound, where me and Leo can deliver the context of okay, this is how if I was your VP of sales, this is how I would structure it. But then we have a network of executors that we can bring in and plug in and play as we need, who can execute on those problems, and me and Leo can lead and adapt. So therefore we can, we can then expand our kind of wings over it and, and have that ability to kind of, um, you know, have as many customers as possible. Cause this is the trouble with sometimes service-based businesses. If you're doing hourly rate, you, you know, you're sacrificing the biggest thing, which is time and you're capped at maybe having, you know, 10 customers or 15 customers. So for us, we wanted to structure the business in a way where we could offer different kind of services and when we talk about lead generation for example so um with with one of our clients we've delivered them a lead list now of icb clients who can make decisions on their product and their sales guy has managed to put double the amount of meetings this week by just taking out that admin from him which he's doing manually right now so that, that's and but that's something that we can utilize our network to and data analysts to kind of drive that where we're not doing mm-hmm. extreme amounts of, you know, 10, 20 hours worth of work on a client. Right. Okay. Um, I'm going one step back here because I, what I want to understand from both of you is you guys, I'm guessing you guys are like CTO, CEO, or you both CEO of the company or heads of- We just, we just chief get, get the job done offices. Get that. I like, I like that. <laughs> yeah, so what, what I was trying to ask is when I speak with when I speak with founders who have two heads or three heads uh, in the company, when you started, it's all gloomy and nice and, you know, friendly. And then uh, straight away after a couple of months, it gets difficult because ultimately you have to make so many decisions, small and big. Uh, and then the decision-making process is difficult because then you have to consult with each other and then make sure take the decision which is good for the company, not just good for the one person. 
So how do you guys streamline your decision-making process among your staff? I think that, as Bess mentioned earlier, it is that kind of P1, P2, P3 approach. And we have to bounce on board off each other. Like, like I'm, I, I'm, I don't know, Bess will tell you, but I'm pretty blunt, right? I'm like, this is not, this is not what we need to do. Like, we need to do this. And it is, I think it's the, it's the balance there. And we're just like, okay, what, is this actually going to help us? Do we actually need to do this right now? Or do we need to leave on the back burners? Mm. Uh, if we if we need to do it now, why do we need to do it now? Okay, because either it's going to help drastically improve client client results, mm. it's going to help us improve our efficiency, or it's going to help us improve revenue. Does it drive these two things, and does it need to be done now? That's how we, we get down to it. Right. We'll calculate like with those P one, P two, P threes, and we've done in Notion as well. As we'll 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 think of a task and we'll be like, right, this needs to be done, and we'll we'll scale it in terms of like we'll just put is it low effort, high impact, high urgency, whatever, and then it will just put it in the bucket we need it to be in, and then we have minimum daily actions that we need to commit to that will move the business forward. So whether that's posting social content, whether that's having live convos with prospects, whether that's setting meetings, uh, creating opportunities, those types of things, uh, closing, you know, closing revenue, right? These are all minimum daily actions that me and Leo need to be doing to move the needle forward. And any day that we're not moving the needle forward, and we actually got a point system as well, which we, we also implement in some of the sales teams we work with. Um, but, you know, and if we don't get up to eight points, we uh, we lose the day, right? So, so, and then we can reflect on that. We always have a, have a call. Um, in terms of the way me and Leo work as well, I think what's complementary is I'm a bit more optimistic. He's a bit more pessimistic. He's he's very analytical with like our um, the the businesses we work with, and I'm a bit more artsy, you know. And so I think where we've naturally kind of slotted in is I'm doing a bit more of the marketing stuff, you know, and marketing and things like that, and you know a bit more of like structuring a sales call and you know. Uh, a bit more of the coaching stuff. Go somewhere. There you go. Um, a bit more of the kind of artsy. Oh, did you lose it? Have you got me back? Yeah, I don't. So, would you would you repeat the portion when you were saying that you you're a little arty and analytical, you know, and then yeah. So so we we we. Were... I think we lost him again. Do you know what? If you if needed, I can. Leo, do you want to jump in? Yeah, yeah, okay, uh, yeah. So, in essence, like this is so I'm more operational, slightly more pessimistic, about more marketing, slightly more optimistic. Um, like he, he, for example, I was watching him do a Canva project. I was like, I cannot, I do not have the patience for Canva. Mm-hmm. It's too hard to see it. I, I'm more like, operational, just getting like setting up system. Mm. And then, um, I think it's actually what something I learned it, and obviously, in the end of the program is like founder market fit, right? Like, where. Where do where do our skills overlay each other, and where do we separate? And that was quite 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 essential. And we figured out probably a bit later than usual. It's like what what are we actually good at, and what do we what are we good at individually, and what are we good at together? And that's where we kind of broke down. Like a best is more content that kind of stuff, and then I'm more operational. Yeah, yeah. You nowadays I hear this word everywhere in the air whenever I attend any meetups. Is like your co-founder is is exactly like your partner. You have to marry that person, you know? Even though if it is a short marriage, but you have to, unless, until unless you get married to that person, 
it's very difficult to work with together. And I guess you guys, you know, gel up pretty well in that town. Yeah. Great. So, okay. So let me jump on to our next uh, question, which is a crucial one, which is how you guys find your customers uh, in order to, you know, generate revenue. Um, so I think for, for us, referrals is super key, right? I think, you know, when we're working with founders and we've done great work for them, they should be able to scream and champion about us um, to other founders. So referral is, you know, one of the strongest ways we can generate revenue. And then the second part is my member is bread and butter, which is setting up systems and following playbooks to, to land revenue. And so we have actually signed not just now doing outbound sales for ourselves, um, and also utilizing partnerships, um, you know, with other sales uh, colleagues that we have, because the the thing with our servicing, because it's very plug and play, there's almost a there's almost a need in some capacity for any one of those you know, three four things that we do. Um, so that's where we're finding people. I think when it comes to founders, you know, we'll we'll utilize things like groups, um, networking events, specifically in London. Um, things like that and then you know me and Leo are not afraid to pick up the phone or either out, you know send emails cold outreach things like that uh, we're definitely not shy so we'll you know everything we're implementing into some of these startups we'll be doing ourselves as well I think with founders on that it's like there is so unless it's like referral based there is a bit of a nurture a nurture thing like we don't expect to close people first call mm-hmm. like we sit down we give a bit of insight give, okay we understand where they're going and we continuously nurture them through because they will come to the time and be like, you know what, we need to bash on the know because they've been helping us a little bit on the way. So we understand that it's not always a one call close, it's a nurture process. So in Donna Paul, we nurture, we understand, check in, how's it going, do you need us? And then by the time a need comes, either we're there or they'll come to us. Yeah, yeah. And I couldn't agree more. I mean, your customers need to first like you. No, sorry, know you, like you, and then trust you, isn't it? These are the three steps before they actually make a purchase. Exactly. Yeah. Great stuff, great stuff. Um, uh, oh my God, I enjoyed this conversation so much that I couldn't even finish out my question and we are almost there at the end. But, you know, I would I would love to, love to understand more, like, you know, throughout you, your journey and experiences, there must have been valuable lessons learned. You know, if you don't mind sharing, could you reflect on your experience and tell us about one mistake or setback that you encountered along the way, uh, you know, that you now consider a regret or maybe a lessons learned, you know, additionally, you know, what advice would you give our listeners based on this experience? That's a, that's a really great question. I think, I think there's, okay, so there's the, there's the, there's the answer that everyone will give, which is like, I have no regrets or this, you, you know? And I think the, there's the, there's the lessons learned, I think is the most important thing. And I think what I've learned from my time within startups is you, you really have to, especially if you're, if you're choosing to work in a startup, you really have to understand the fundamentals of the founder and what's driving them. Because at the end of the day, this is the captain of the ship, right? And so. You really need to understand what what is going through their heads. How are they going to make everyone in this team successful? And worst case scenario, if you're not successful, what are you going to learn from this experience? And and two is no, you know, if the if they really respect you, the paperwork will reflect it. And what I mean by that is if if you work in a startup or you're a founder, uh, you need to you need to 
find a way, especially in the time of now. Think about, you know, me and Leah, right? We've gone off to do our own agency. Lots of people are thinking about the same thing, right? Less and less people are trusting that their shares are going to become this, that, and the other. Or if there's no writing in the shares that, you know, there's very low trust right now. And so people have to retain top talent and top talent is starting their own businesses right now. So I think for paperwork, you, you have to get your paperwork correct with your employees and make sure that that's a, that's a priority because then you can retain, you know, if someone knows that they're getting X percent on the um, options or whatever, they'll be very happy to see this through. Um, so I think it's, you know, I, I think it's a bit more of advice for working for startups more than starting one. But I think that those are really important from, you know, from the people I advise sometimes as well. I think from my learning, um, is when you hire the first three, four, four people, I don't think they have to be, you know how they always say hire people smarter than you. I believe the first what I've seen successful when the first four or five hires are just as passionate about the problem and the solution as you are, that gets the ball moving so much faster. That gives the customers a much better experience and that will tra like transition down to when they hire. Um, but if you don't, if you're hiring people based on experience and not about the passion and the grit of the problem you're solving, then you'll find that again, churn, attrition will happen. And you'll be like, well, you know, I hire this, this hire people that are hungry and passionate mm -hmm. that will get you further. Cause once you're moving that boulder, it's easier to move the boulder with people that want to move it. than the people who think that, oh, it needs to operate this way. It needs to operate that way. Yeah. 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 I totally agree. Um, it's very important that, you know, what they, what they used to say in answer, it's very important. If you want to find a co-founder, go out with him or her, get drunk. And then if you can spend more than an hour and a half with the person, if he's fully high or she's fully high, that means you found someone who can talk with. <laughs> that was the essence of it. But, you know, I, I agree with you. Passion is equally important as experience. Great stuff. Okay, so uh, we should wrap up now. So we are going uh, into the lightning round. Um, I've got six quick five questions for you. So, you know, just... Uh, Try to answer them as quickly as you can. You ready? Let's do it. Right. Okay. First question. What's one of the best piece of business advice you have received? Oh, um, I think getting bad in the hand is my dad, what my dad always says, right? You can, you can go into fairyland trying to close these big, big deals, but make sure you're closing something consistently. Um, to, to service you and getting cash in the bank. I see loads of people chasing enterprise deals at the start of their startup journey. And then when that, you know, when that opportunity closes, they're put as well. So I don't know, that's what I'd say. But in the hand. Okay. Yeah. Leo? I think for me, it'd be like, actions speak louder than words. I think um, people say things and people do things. Watch what people in the startup and in, in business, people's actions will do the talking. Um, so just watch that. Yeah, good one. What book would you recommend to our audience and why? Uh, it's got to be, um, so Never Split the Difference, um, okay. which is by Chris Voss. Really good book on just, it's not even about negotiations, it's just about bio psychology. 
I think okay. if you really want to understand sales, understand biopsychology. Okay. Good stuff. Abbas? I, I think, it, again, it's another sales book. Um, it's called Fanatical Prospecting. And it's it, it's just, again, all about, you know, it's not going to hurt you today not chasing customers, but this buildup of putting it on the back burner is going to hurt you in a quarter. And so make sure that, you know, you or you have someone in your team that's relentlessly hitting your market, because if you're not, someone else will. Right. Great stuff. What's one attribute or characteristic in your mind of a successful founder? Problem solver. I think, yeah, I think, uh, I think just courage, you know, courage to, courage to, it takes courage to start the business, but it takes more courage to maintain and keep it going. It's very easy to go with the waves and kind of get motivated when they are going to start a business. Everyone goes through that, but I think true founders have that kind of grit, which, which carries them forward. Um, so I actually, I changed that. I said grit more importantly. Okay. Good. That. What's your favorite personal productivity tool or habit? I guess you already answered that, but yeah, go on. Probably a mixture of like Notion or ChatGPT, you know. Everyone's using uh, OpenAI at the moment, but I think Notion keeps us honest, you know, me and me. Yeah, Notion. Um, at, the, at the moment, what I'm using for networking, which is really well, working well, Lunch Club. Uh, enjoying Lunch Club. Uh, once a week, just jumping on calls with people jump on boards with founders and uh, just networking. Perfect. What's a new or a crazy idea you would love to pursue if you had the tie? Oh, yeah, you've got tons of these. Oh, yeah, right. So right now, what I'm, I'm pursuing an idea now, actually, when you say that. So there's two ideas. I'm, one I'm pursuing now and one I just spoke with Abbas about earlier. Mm -hmm. um, so number one is uh, tracking. So in B2B sales, a lot of effort goes into the post, you know, sorry, get a new business. And then what happens is post sales, there isn't that much like innovation technology to assist with that. So what I'm doing is developing a, a system that automates like contact updates and company change updates on your existing customers. So, you know, if someone leaves, if they've raised money, if they're hiring a new decision maker, and you're bringing these insights directly to the team with the idea of reducing churn and helping increase new business opportunities. And then the second idea which I had today was um, YouTube transcription into like content. Um, so like transcribing transcribing video content and then creating that flywheel, um, mm -hmm. which, which me and Abbas will be looking to do soon as well. Good one. I like both the ideas. Do you have anyone, any others, Abbas? Um, I think, I think to, to be fair, I think me and Leo see ourselves maybe starting a SaaS, uh, you know, as we go through this journey, the exciting thing about us is, and about our business is we speak to so many founders, so finding very specific founder problems now. And I think it's only a matter of time before we start resolving this. So whether this agency then becomes a SaaS in itself, where it's like a go-to-market marketplace for experts, specifically for you know this sector, like we really need down, that could be a possibility. We've had you know customers request for us to get cold callers in um, because they want people cold calling about their product but me and Leo are way too expensive to do it so we've been you know getting other people in um, to kind of uh, do that um, so I think you know there's there's a lot of ideas kind of running around and especially when you talk to founders it's always exciting I'm sure it's the same for yourself Ash right 
uh, how do you not get distracted actually like uh you, you know with and because i see this all the time people get distracted by ideas like oh no i should do this instead um i would answer that question but let me ask you the last uh, one first for that quick like <laughs> the last one for you both is what's an interesting and fun fact about you that most people don't know Uh, about me, um, it's where we realize we're not that don't plan. This we thought we were. Yeah, we're not that, we're not that interesting. Um, I've got an interesting fact about my my family, which is interesting. My great granddad used to be the one of the royal guards of the King of Albania. Mm-hmm. Right, and then. Um, and then, unfortunately, he got killed by the communists. Um, so, so yeah, but yeah, it was an interesting, interesting story. Really interesting history. Wow, it, that that's a story for us to grab a drink one day. In the, yeah. at some point. <laughs> Definitely, I yeah, yeah. Abbas, I think in a similar vein, like not because I'm not particularly interesting, but my grandparents were. Um, my granddad on my mom's side ended up in. Uh, ended up in prison for rebelling against the government uh, in Tanzania, um, and so um, yeah, he was like a he was like a political prisoner for a bit. Really nice guy though, so no cry, no actual crimes are committed. But yeah, that's a that's a fun fact. <laughs> yeah, wow, you both can get actually a script written for a Hollywood movie. <laughs> <laughs> Great stuff. Uh, Awesome. So just to quickly answer your question, I do get distracted, you know, <laughs> as everyone does. Um, it's, I, think, I think you guys are very young and very energetic, and that's why you have that kind of capacity of brain available for you to think about things. But once you reach to that uh, age uh, group where you have very, very limited time with all the kids, family, old age people in the family, uh, and all these responsibility to take your kids to the schools and all the crutches, etc., that you want to spend your little time into the say into the just one idea which you are passionate about instead of making money with it, you know. So a lot of founders they don't get successful because they keep working on the same idea which doesn't actually bring customers in, you know. But sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. But that's that's one of the ways we, I don't get distracted much, but I do get distracted. Trust me. <laughs> Okay, great stuff. So we are we're almost there. So Abbas Elio, thank you so much for joining me and sharing your story and unpacking the last year, uh, three months of building this business and some of the ups and downs along the way. Uh, so if people want to check out uh, the Playbook Agency, what's what's the website? Would you be able to share? Yeah. Um. So the Playbook Agency. Um. And then you can find us on LinkedIn, and you know we'll be on some more socials pretty soon. I'm sure. After this podcast, we can turn it into a TikTok as well. So this will give us the juice we need for content. Yeah. So what? Uh, so if folks want to get in touch with you, it will be LinkedIn, right? So what's what's your handles or or how does it search for you? Um, yeah. So if you just search my name, so Abbas Somji, and then yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, Leah Brennaker, B R A N I C L. Awesome. Well, thank you both. Uh, you know, for being uh, on the show. Uh, I really loved, enjoyed our conversation. And I hope uh, in a few months or a year when you become a millionaire, I'll get 10 more minutes with you to jump on a call and discuss more. Hopefully, fingers crossed. Perfect, perfect. 
thank you guys i'll speak with you soon cheers thank you ash take care thank you all for tuning in to this episode of our saas stories podcast i hope you found our conversation with abbas and leo insightful and inspiring if you're a founder or industry expert interested in sharing your story on our saas podcast please don't hesitate to reach out simply email me at ashartortcircles.com and let's connect for a potential interview opportunity if you enjoyed this episode make sure to subscribe to our podcast and stay updated on future interviews with proven founders and industry experts we have a lineup of incredible guests and valuable insights coming your way stay inspired stay motivated and keep building